Today on CityCast Las Vegas, not everything lasts forever in our city, but you know what won't quit? These steakhouses. Here to tell us why is food writer Brent Holmes. We talk about the oldest restaurants locals must try, why some of these places have endured, and what the future could look like for Vegas's food culture. It's Thursday, May 4th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. What's up, Brent Holmes? Welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. How are you? I am well. And you, Vogue? We're making it. I have my apple juice. I'm ready. Brent, what is one of the oldest restaurants in Las Vegas that locals, like, locals must try this spot? Okay. I'm going to start with Bob Taylor's Ranch House. Oh, my not God. Just, not just because, like... Okay, come on. Like, it fulfills in every way my cowboy kink. Oh, that's true. It has great burgers. It has amazing ice cream. It has, like, a really old bar. And it's just, like, ancient. They've been doing it forever. And somehow it's managed to kind of stay alive all the way, way out there, too. It's not... All the way through a multi-generational roach infestation, Brent. There's not enough bleach. (laughs) Oh, is this is this your this is this is there's not enough prayer yes i can't i can't can't speak to any insect relationships over at bob taylor's all i can say is they make an awesome awesome burger and it's like a, a a grill and it's right there and the food still tastes like it was made in like 1970, you know, Mm-mm. 1980. Now, for the record, they, you know, they cleaned up their act per the, the article I read in the review journal a while ago. But it was just it was so surprising to me because it's a long standing restaurant. So they closed temporarily. And of course, they cleaned it all up. And now they're back. OK, so but I, but I have to say this. I have to say this, like right, right up front, like our oldies are oldies, which means like Things slowly slip at restaurants. Now, here's what can't slip is the quality of the food. And Mm. Bob Taylor's had quality food regardless of what else might have been slipping in their repertoire. And there are far more popular, far worse restaurants that are far grosser Mm. that everybody goes to all the time. That's how you feel. Look, okay, Brent Holmes. So, I mean, let's talk about oldies, right? We're we're talking about Bob Taylor. Bob Taylor is circa 1955. Yeah. Let's talk about what is even old in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is like 117, 120 years old. It's in that range. So that's the age of Vegas. So what's what's an old restaurant in Vegas? Well, that I think that becomes like part of the problem. I have old, old and new old, right? Like Okay. Let's start with old, old. Okay, I believe Vegas goes through phases, but like, okay, old, old. The steakhouse on top of Binion's Horseshoe. Again, almost all of your old olds are going to be Italian or, you know, steakhouse fare. Those are the things that have managed to survive in this city for decade upon decade upon decade. You've got great places like the Italian American Club. You've got, of course, I think, without a doubt, the Golden Steer is old, old in Vegas. Mm. And that's, you know, they're all over 50 years old. And that's a long run for a city that bases most of its, you know, culinary production on trend, right? 
and a city that really has exploded with seriously diverse populations. Word. You know, we're we're an incredible city for a lot of different cuisines, but our olds are going to go all the way back to the, the 50s and 40s, right? Right. I would say that's the era for old, old Vegas. And, and I think a lot of the restaurants you mentioned are definitely from the 50s, uh, especially some of that Italian and steakhouse fare. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, one of the bonuses there is like you get to sit in the weird leather booth that Sammy Davis Jr. <sighs> had to wriggle his little legs out of, you know, over at the Golden Steer. Like you can do that. It's the same like, you know. Sammy's booty was right here. <laughs> yeah, Sammy, Sammy's little butt was, was like, yeah, baby, give me another uh, martini. Something like weird like get that. Get out of here. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> you can do that. That's incredible, right? There are certainly more venerable eateries in other cities that are literally hundreds of years old, but Vegas, Vegas is a new city, like you said. Okay, so that's old, old. What age is new old? I'd say 25, 25 years old. Uh, okay. A place, and, and, and what I like to cite as new old also is like, you know, Echiza over in Chinatown. That's new old. I love that. They've been around for about 25 years. And they're like the first credible Japanese isekaya in the city. And even though that's like a relatively contemporary cuisine by American standards, they've been doing it forever by Las Vegas standards, which if you can stay open for more than five years in Vegas as a restaurant, that's a pretty solid run. How would we describe Vegas food tradition? Like, do you think that Italian and steakhouse fare, is that our claim to fame? It has to be. I mean, for whatever else you want to say about it, we don't have a strong or long culinary history, right? We don't have a real regional cuisine identity. All of our culinary identities are imported. So you end up over at somewhere like Binion's, Right. Benny Binion's opens the Benny Binion opens the horseshoe. And, you know, when he gets to a certain point, he puts this steakhouse on top of it. That's got that in the round view of what was a much smaller city at the time with your classic New York strip porterhouse, whatever kind of steak you want, get it whatever way you like. And that was fine dining, but I think there's something more to the steakhouse underneath it all. It's really big dining. It's American dining. And it's that American ideal of largesse, right? We could have like a million great little French spots, but we don't. That's fine dining too. We mm. could, we do have some really elegant Japanese and Chinese and Szechuan places now. But as far as Americana goes, the steakhouse isn't just delicious. It isn't just expensive. It's also big. There's something about it that feels so inevitably and grossly American. That I, You hit it. I was like, as you were saying that, I was like, of course. What is Vegas food tradition? Why, darling, it's excess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's... It's a little bit of flexing. So I was reading through this really good RJ article by Greg Thilmont, and it's like probably a two-year-old article. But in that article, he also talked about the fact that the first celebrity restaurant on the Strip was Wolfgang Puck Spago. What did it change about Vegas's cultural like food landscape? First off, big ups to Greg Thilmont, Rip, homie. He was one of our better food writers and one of my favorite guys to get a bite to eat with. I think 
when you talk about Spago, you are looking at the beginning of food as attraction in Las Vegas. The initial Vegas draw was you can go to the buffet, you can get a really great deal, it's all you can eat, or your 99 cent shrimp cocktail, your top of the world steakhouse, whatever it was. But then Wolfgang Puck shows up and he validates Vegas as a city that you can actually have some culinary exploration. This is the second Spago location in America is Las Vegas. The first one is his Los Angeles Spago location where he made, you know, his name, where, where he really changed, you know, how L.A. ate. And then he came to Vegas and had that deal. And it is it is a Vegas classic at this point. And it's never bad. It's never gone down in quality. I've never <laughs> once gone to Spago and said, eh, it was okay. It's it's always great. It's always on point. Like the most basic thing on their menu, I think, is is still like the smoked salmon pizza, which is that smoked salmon with that little bit of caviar on top and like mm-hmm. a dollop of like creme fraiche. And it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And it, it tastes incredible. It looks beautiful. And there's a bunch of other great things at Spago, but I know that one, boom. I know, waitress, just bring me the smoked salmon pizza. Mm-hmm. And what we have now culinarily, when you look at the way that Wolfgang Puck put his menu together, and when you look around the city at what blossomed out of that, we are a city of fine dining, not a city of steakhouses because of Spago. Ooh, oh, I like that. That was clean. Now, locals are always talking about how nothing lasts in Vegas. You know, we blow up our old casinos. <sighs> we don't preserve that many buildings. <laughs> so, I mean, but do you think that we appreciate our older restaurants more than our other institutions? I do, but I think we appreciate them for nostalgic reasons, for the most part. I mean, I haven't even gotten on the new old, like kind of when we had the first inklings of Mexican cuisine show up in the city too, which which really, yeah. you talk 25 years ago, that wasn't, you know, but like go down Charleston, hit Esmeralda's Cafe. Their pupusas are off the chain. They make great burritos. They make really standard fare. It's, it's really terrific food. Do we appreciate it? Not really. Why do we appreciate the Golden Steer? Because Sammy Davis's little patootie was in there, right? Why do we appreciate Binion's? Because it has that kind of old Vegas sensibility. And I think we have nostalgia reasons for keeping those things alive as much as we have culinary reasons for keeping them alive. I was thinking about what you were saying about, you know, what does it mean to be old in Vegas? And also to think about the time barrier between who could who could get and raise capital to open up a restaurant, right? So you've got to take in those factors of of women-owned business, of my, minority-owned businesses, and that there's a shift in between when people could start opening things. So you talked about Mexican cuisine. What are other, you know, cultural cuisines that came in in the, the new old? I mean, Thai cuisine, right? Lotus. Lotus hey. is new old classic, right? You can't, you you cannot even deny that Lotus set a standard for our city that makes us have at least good quality Thai food at almost every Thai restaurant in this town, right? That's because Lotus was here and so and they established that. I'll say this, one of my 
great sorrows is the kind of deterioration of our Indian cuisine. Oh. We've lost a lot of the Indian restaurants that were here just 20 years ago. And even though we do have some really nice places like Ronnie's, like Mint, that you can get pretty quality Indian food, a lot of the older places like Gandhi's or India Oven are gone. Yeah. The other, you know, cuisine that you mentioned was Mexican food. And when I think about that, I think about Lindo Michoacan. And I know that in 1980, Dona Maria's Tamales also opened up. Yes, yes. And that's part of the the late 80s, early 90s construction boom, where we have this real influx of Mexican-American communities, you know, building the casinos and becoming hospitality and service workers, and they start to create restaurants that Mm. feed their craving for their own cultural cuisine. But I mean, I I think you would have been hard pressed to find anything really resembling Mexican cuisine outside of maybe North Las Vegas or well, well away from the strip pre-1980. And Lindo, at this point, it's an institution, right? It's it's as venerable to my mind, yep. particularly in that community, as the Golden Steer. What's a new place that you think will become like the new Vegas institution? Oh, man, I hate you guys. Um, <laughs> we love you. Top three, top three. Top three, Isakaya Go. Isakaya Go for Japanese food, 110%. I think that they're building a really good track record. They're building off of what Achiza did. They're building off of what Araku did. I think like they're one heck of an isekaya. I I mean, I'm gonna have to say on. Huh. I mean, okay. Let's be fair here. Tacos El Gordo. Hey. They're an institution already. They really service an aspect of the community that feels like Vegas, right? Like mm. they, they've got some kind of new Vegas flair that really feels, you know, up to date within the last five to 10 years. And again, like, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Out of all of this, I'm gonna bypass your question and I'm gonna make one more shout out <laughs> to something that I think we've overlooked, which is the historic West Side and okay. uh, I can cite two Vegas standards right there. Grits Cafe Grits. and yep. Mario's West Side are definitely institutions of that neighborhood, right? <laughs> they are irrefutable. They're going to expand soon. Oh, really? That's so hot. Mm-hmm. I love that. I cannot wait. That sounds real. That's like more exciting than I can possibly explain. So that's that's not new necessarily, but that's certainly... There's, there's certainly institutions that are very overlooked outside of a very specific in-the-know part of the community. Yeah, thank you for bringing them up. So what's the secret sauce for the restaurants that have managed to last 25-plus years in Vegas? <laughs> I, I think the secret sauce is a combination of understanding place and producing quality food. It's... It's in attitude as much as it's in mastery, right? Mm -hmm. They know exactly what they do. And one of the secret sauces here is they don't deviate from it, right? Chicago Joe's is not going to try 
and convince me to eat anything but oysters Rockefeller, right? They're going <laughs> to give me a good slice of lasagna. Uh, the same thing's going to happen over at the Italian American Club or at, you know, Golden Steer. They're not trying to fancy it up and they're not trying to change the game. And that's a lot of why pink places become institutions because they're going for consistency. That other aspect, of course, is that they they maintain a sense of identity that people want to attach themselves to. If you had your high school graduation dinner with your entire family when grandma was still alive <laughs> at Chicago Joe's, then five years later, Chicago Joe's is still going to mean that time where I had the whole family together and I was in a great mood and it's going to feel exactly the same and taste exactly the same as it did, which means you're going to come back not just for the flavors you want to repeat, but for the memories you want to indulge. Yes, well put. Thank you so much, Brent, for being on CityCast Las Vegas, man. Good talks, good eats. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm always so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much, folks. Now for a bite of news. The Huntridge Family Clinic, which is the largest LGBTQIA-centered medical clinic in Southern Nevada, recently closed, and it's a major blow to the community. This clinic was also the Valley's largest provider of PrEP treatments, which reduced the risk of HIV. The facility's owner is urging people to support legislation in Carson City that might alleviate future financing issues. Also, Republican Jim Marchant will run for U.S. Senate against incumbent Jackie Rosen in next year's contest. You may remember him as an election denier and former state assemblyman who lost in Nevada's Secretary of State race last year. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend. Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. That multi-generational roach infestation that you you stated, those roaches are actually ratatouilleing the entire restaurant. They <laughs> are in charge of the food and they're also all cowboys. So you just you just need to chill, bro, because I've talked to them and God. they're making some delicious steak right now. That is the best piece of fan fiction I've ever heard. <laughs> About Bob Taylor. <laughs>